the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Friday, April 16th, 2021. As we head into uh, the weekend, head into our uh, second hour, it is a delight to welcome back our good friend, our great friend, Andy Biggs, chairman of the House Freedom Caucus and representing Arizona's Congressional 5th District, as well as memberships on committees like the House Judiciary Committee. A lot to talk to him about today. Andy, how you doing? You doing all right? You hanging in there? By the skin of my teeth, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, you better. You better. We have no choice. If you go, we're doomed. Um, do me a favor, Andy, because the media has seemingly, mainstream media anyway, seemingly jumped off this issue to cover other things. Um, but talk to us a little bit about what we know and what's going on at the border right now. What's the latest? We had a crisis and all of a sudden the media is turning elsewhere. What can you tell us about the border crisis? Uh, the border has gotten no better because um, the policies that Biden um, has implemented are exactly zero. And what he has done is taken away the policies that President Trump had put in place that were working, that had brought operational control to the border. So you're still having 2,400, 2,500 people a day um, in, uh, uh, coming across in Rio Grande Valley surrendering. You're still having in the El Paso service center there, um, unaccompanied children. They're, they're, I will say this, they're, they're moving those children faster because uh, several weeks ago it was 12, over 1,200 there. Now it's over three. It's only over 350 there. These are unaccompanied minors. You've got other facilities that, uh, well, let's just put it this way. You've got over 16,000. We anticipate over 30,000 by the end of, of this month of kids uh unaccompanied and guess what they're staying an average of 24 days and it's, then it's a fresh new 30,000 i mean basically you have a fresh new group all the time and then in our own tucson sector you've got over 600 a day being apprehended and these are the ones that are bringing a lot of drugs in a lot of bad people in uh these are where the gang members are coming these people are running they're not surrendering occasionally going to get a group that surrenders but then you keep on going on california's uh, has, has a mixed bag as well. So you're still you're still upwards five six thousand people a day being apprehended, and the lion's share of those people are being released into the country. There was a terrible story um, that took place, I guess, early uh, this morning here in Phoenix. I don't know if uh, if you followed it, but I was following it uh, through the blog of the Department of Public Safety, Arizona DPS, uh, at six seventeen this morning. Uh, DPS uh, state trooper did a traffic stop on uh, I-10 uh, near Chandler. Uh, Andy, you know exactly where that is. Upon contact mm -hmm. with the driver, a U.S. citizen, the trooper observed, had 17 undocumented aliens in the vehicle. 17 undocumented aliens in the vehicle. So AZ DPS does what? Does the right thing and requests assistance from ICE and the U.S. Border Patrol both of whom say they can't respond and won't. So what happens? What happens? 
The trooper, the AZDPS trooper, gives the appropriate citations for the traffic violation, impounds the vehicle, and is forced to release these subjects into the community. I mean, nothing about this is right. Nothing. Not not one part of it. No, I had not heard that, uh, Seth. That is just an amazing, amazing story. And and the reality is, I wish I could say that's the first time I've heard of a story like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but 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 that is that's not uncommon. And in and you when you start looking at this, what do you get? Uh, is chaos at the border, and it goes through our communities, and we feel it in Arizona pretty acutely. But but believe me, those people they're going to be tr- transporting from place to place, and they're going to be. Um, going throughout the country, and just like all of these people are. I mean, you've got, uh, you have one hotel in Awatuki that they're, uh, that an NGO is renting to house right. um, uh, these folks, and then uh, just announced uh, uh, is another one going on in Chandler. So this, this is going on, uh, and it's unacceptable, but the administration is ignoring it. They're not implementing any policies to st- slow this down even. And the media, not you guys, but the left stream media, ignores it as if it will go away simply by ignoring it. Andy, this has become a crisis that, you know, implicates so many other things human trafficking, sex trafficking, child slavery, drugs, crime. It is a driver of so many pathologies. All of those things, by the way, had gotten worse over the last year. It's, as, it's not as if we, we, had, we had contained the problems of substance abuse and uh, drugs being, uh, uh, being, uh, being trafficked into the United States. Um, it's not as if uh, crime was going down in our major cities. It was going up. Is there a tipping point, Andy, where the, 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 the greater part of the population connects the dots and realizes, aha, these policies actually do connect to these problems? I, I wish I could say that I thought there was. Um, I, I will tell you that uh, – I think there are other factors that will go to 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 bring light to that that, that will tip people over uh, and, and understand that the left is is basically emasculating your freedoms, your 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 traditions, your values. I mean, but what? Let's here's an example. San Francisco report just came out today. I saw San Francisco. They had more opioid mm-hmm. related deaths mm-hmm. this this past year. Yep. Than they had deaths due to COVID, right? And um, why is that? Well, you take a look. All the pathologies that come when you disrupt people's lives to the extent that we have, um, it, that they create their own public health crisis. Contrary to what Doctor um, Doctor Doom, Doctor Fauci would say, these create, create serious emotional and psychological pathologies, or exacerbate those that may already exist. And so as long as you've got a 1984 type of dystopia going on with the left-stream media and this neo-fascist regime that's trying to take hold in our country, it will be hard for people to connect all the dots because 
they're being hidden. I mean, gosh, you know, I don't want to ramble too much, but I got to give you just the prime example is 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 James O'Keefe from Project Veritas. Right. Um, I, I, Wednesday morning of this week, I'm at a small group. When we're meeting with him. He's showing us the video he's going to release at noon. He releases it at noon. He's got a million views. And within uh, 12 to 14 hours, um, it, social media sites are taking it down. Mm-hmm. As trying to This is his expose it. of CNN. Exactly, the expose of CNN. They want to erase it, Seth, mm-hmm. as if it didn't happen. Yep. I mean, you just go read George Orwell's mm-hmm. novel, 1984. It, that's exactly what that's what the main characters does. They they revise history or they erase history. That is what the left is doing in this country today. And the question is, will part of this country, the larger part of it, recognize it and do something about it? Or look, take take go back to your city of San Francisco for a moment on this story you brought yeah. out, Andy. Um, let's. I want everyone to think about this for a moment. More opioid deaths than COVID deaths in San Francisco. However, San Francisco gives out five million needles each year to the city's <laughs> IV drug users, and will guffaw and isolate you if you don't double mask. Okay, this is San Francisco, Andy. Five million needles each year to IV drug users, but an enforced mask mandate that will put you in uh, social trouble if you don't abide by. And yet more opioid deaths than COVID deaths. This is what I'm talking about. Remember the concept when you practice law of redressability? How do we when are we going to connect finally the harm to the remedy sought? I mean, you have it. I have it. But at a certain point, as the left keeps pushing this pedal to the metal, including the border policy right now, which will make all of this worse, you think we're going to convince more Americans that this socialism stuff ain't just a theory? I, I, I hope they begin to see it. Because you know what else happens in dystopia, uh, uh, neo-fascist uh, Marxian regimes, is the elite are taken care of. So would back to San Francisco. Again. Yeah, right. You know who was you know who was taking care of it, it was always the mayor yep. and the Pelosi's yep. and the the wealthy elites of San Francisco. Yep. This is why you get people like the the BLM uh, lady yep. uh, who says that I'm an I'm a Marxist, mm-hmm. and then she goes and buys one and a half million dollars or she has more homes than the home. McCains. Exactly. Yeah. Remember that scandal? Oh, John McCain can't have eight homes. I, well, the head of BLM has five. How's that for you? Yeah, I mean, the reality is, I don't care that John McCain has homes because he's a Catholic. Yeah, <laughs> at I, least he cited I, to Adam Smith. Yeah, right. Exactly. right. I do care. Right. I do care when the Marxist and, 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 and listed, you can, uh, you can go through and see who all was donating, what companies were donating major dollars to, uh, to Black Lives Matter, and she takes and buys these homes. Now, all of that sounds, oh, well, gee, that's our grapes. It's not our grapes. All of these companies that you see, almost every one of them is going to get some kind of government break or subsidy. That all of us, all of us provide that. So if, some, if, a, if a company gets a break or a subsidy or some kind, all of us are basically um, connected to that company now because we're the taxpayers. That. And, that, and so it, it, it's so um, uh, irritating. And it goes back. And, and so you get back to the border to bring it back to the border. The fact that these media outlets are suppressing 
um, important information on the border and any kind of conservative viewpoint just tells you the move to dystopian type of uh, government that we have. And you've got, you also have an actual physical and humanitarian crisis. Yes. The one area that you, that when you're missing, you're talking about drug, tra- uh, uh, human trafficking, yep. sex trafficking, there's drug trafficking as well. Yep. That's coming through. But don't forget the, 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 the toll on people who just live along the That's border. Right. Go down to, right. to a rancher, right. and, and you're going to say, well, what, what what's the big deal? They're coming on your property. Well, they're coming on their property. Some of these ranchers have been kidnapped. You've had water tanks uh, destroyed, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year that they're paying just for the vandalism of people mm-hmm. illegally entering. And then where's the environmentalist? Right. The environmental toll from people coming across and dumping, dumping um, basically all their garbage along the way. Uh, is also massive. So so it's not humane to have an open border policy. It's not environmentally sound, and it's not a good national security situation. I mean, we didn't even get into that. I noticed it was quite interesting to me when the Department of Homeland Security, also in the scrubbing business, took off their website, the press release that they had captured two individuals from the Middle East two weeks ago. I mean, Andy, right. it goes on and on, yeah, but God bless you. I want you to rest your voice for the weekend and get back to work Monday. Roll up your sleeves. Keep fighting for us. I know you do every day. We love you, Andy Biggs. Hey, I love you guys back. Thank great listeners, great audience, and you're a great host, Seth. Thanks and you're a great man. Thank you, sir. Godspeed. Your show, The Rest of the Way Out, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to The Seth Leapson Show. I am Seth. It is an open line Friday. Anything you want, 602-508-0960. You can ask me anything you want, advice on anything, just not uh, medical, legal, or <coughs> accounting advice. Cheryl is in Phoenix. Hello, Cheryl. Hi, Seth. How are yeah, you? I'm just calling. About, I'm doing good. Doing good. Everybody's going crazy, and so am I. Um, What's driving you most stuff. crazy these days? Oh, gosh. Okay. So, for example, today, um, two things. Well, the one thing today I heard was the SB, what, 1456, the sex ed bill yeah. that um, passed the Senate. And so, um, the left is all in the uproar talking about how radical it is and that we're going to stop sex ed. And and I'm like, as a parent, no, no, no. The problem, is, the, the problem that we have here is that you snuck in this disgusting, inappro- age-inappropriate sex ed without telling us. And as law-abiding citizens of this great state, I'm from California, love Arizona, the only, the only recourse we have is having our representatives that we elected represent us and try to pass these bills to protect our kids. And then they go out in the news and, oh, this is so radical and, oh, it's just so bigoted and it's this and that. And I'm like, no, no, no. Look in the mirror, people. You got caught. You're trying to throw some really disgusting trash down our throat by saying it's inclusivity. It's a for a kindergartner, no, it's not inclusivity. It's just inappropriate. Correct. We are the parents. We're not allowed to do that. When they take away safe spaces in college, then maybe we'll talk. Uh-huh. But when they're doing this in kindergarten and then 
green for safe spaces in college. I, I just can't, I, I just can't even. Well <laughs> I done, just can't Cheryl. Understand. Well done. My gosh, that's a that's a very nice juxtaposition. Uh, how old are your kids? Um, well, I've spoken to you before, yeah. but I have a 16-year-old and a 20-year-old, yeah. and the 20-year-old is at one of the, the Maricopa Community Colleges uh-huh. taking a critical reading class, and it's like every single every, – <laughs> I was talking to him about this this morning. Every single uh, assignment is basically rooted on the very first <laughs> assignment, which is reads the study on how babies are racist. They're racist at three months old, and we have, I, you know, I didn't read the study, but according to what he was, you know, the slight conversations that we've had, he said basically um, they put some cards in front of these toddlers, and they were supposed to sort them out, and they sorted them out by color and not by shape or number, so therefore they're racist. And I'm like, wait a minute, children that age, the first thing they, sort, they learn or they understand is colors. It has nothing to do with race. It's so... It's just so ridiculous. I just want to explode. And so he said throughout the course, it's just referring always to racism and white people, racism and white people. But, you know, hey, I'm from Hawaii. Originally, Mm -hmm. I'm from Hawaii. Mm -hmm. We're racist. We don't like it when white people come over. It's like, hey, how dare you, Howleys, come over here. (laughs) uh, You know, you guys took away our state. You took away our islands. And we're racist over there. I've got racist family members who's mad because my family member who is black has a best friend who's black and he's pissed off at his best friend because his best friend didn't marry a sister uh-huh. quote unquote didn't marry a sister mm-hmm. so i'm like okay so that's a pretty racist thing to hear you know you're you should be happy your best friend found somebody that he loves but no he didn't marry a sister so mm-hmm. um so racism like uh bob woodson robert woodson yeah. said yeah it's no. not just one way no it's just amazing yep and um, so, yeah, so, you know, when we have our politicians um, speak or when we're defending ourselves, I really feel like we need to say, hey, when did we become the radicals? This is, this is a free country that, by the way, and this kind of goes into my second question, that, by the way, allowed you to bring these points of view in through the immigration of the early 1900s, we allowed you to speak and we allowed you to have that that arena in the colleges. And but all the while, you were using it just to take over us. You know, we're our side allows you to do what you want to do, allows everybody to do what they want to do, as long as we maintain the freedom of everybody to be free. But that's not what they're doing. They're saying we need free speech for us, but yet as soon as we get it and we get power. Yeah, our knee is going to be on your neck. And I'm just, we are just so frustrated and everybody's checking out. But you know what? We can't check out. Hold the thought, uh, Cheryl. Uh, I got to take a break. Such an important call. It's spanning a lot. It's really good. You're really good. Uh, bear with me. I want to. I want to discuss it further with you when we come back, and we will come back. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. to the Seth Leibson Show, open line Friday, 602-508-0960. We're talking with Cheryl in Phoenix, uh, mother with a uh, good many concerns she raised, both about our education system and um, 
the society around it that it answers to and is being reinforced by it. And Cheryl, as we were going into the break, you were making the point about um, how the way I was reading you is that the left in this country is using um, standard, typical, uh, regular American ideals, constitutional ideals um, to undo the very constitution that gave them the ability to engage in their in their revolutionary thoughts. Am I am, am I basically picking picking up what you're saying? They are using our constitution and our open society to wreck it, basically. Exactly. And then, um, you know, there'll be derogatory comments about how we need to be more, we need to embrace multicultural. Now, I'm a person of color, although I've been called an Uncle Tom because I have these views. I don't, my color doesn't count. My brownness doesn't count when I have these conservative views. But, you know, it's so true. They're using the system to, the Constitution to uh, basically change us into a socialist country. But, um how do you have a country that allows free speech and free you know, people to have the freedom to pursue their happiness and pursue their lives the way they want to, but at the same time, we're allowing a lot of people with this perspective and this motive. I mean, it's going to come sooner or later. I mean, even if Trump was elected again, we're still we're still fighting the same beast. So... I don't understand. I guess I was going to ask you: Is how do you do that? How do you have a country that's supposed to be free, and we have the Constitution that's so wonderful, but yet keep from that taking over? And there's lots of other, you know, factions that want the worst for America, and, and those other groups as well. How do you do that? Well, it's a greatly important and huge question, Cheryl. <clears throat> And it's one that plagued um, some of our greatest leaders, including Abraham Lincoln, who asked the question, is this country too strong uh, for its detractors or too weak to enforce civil liberties, knowing that it could upend uh, the country itself? Um, And, of course, this has been a debate ranging around the First Amendment for many, many, many years. What's so interesting about what you say, though, is that while it is the left that has been using the widest possible, most expansive possible interpretation of the freedom of the uh, freedom of speech and press, they've used the widest uh, interpretation of it possible to protect themselves. They are the ones who are trying to take it from us, whether it's the former president, whether it's James O'Keefe, whether it's a New York Post story that has negative information about the Democratic candidate. It is they who are doing the censoring, which is so interesting. They showing that they really have contempt for the principles that do underlie the First Amendment. But, Cheryl, you know, the the, the other side of this is the worry that uh, a lot of Supreme Court justices have had, like uh, Robert Jackson, who asked if the suicide was, if the, excuse me, if the Constitution was a suicide pact. Does the Constitution have within it uh, an ability to be interpreted that creates its own undoing? Is the First Amendment so powerful that it could lead to the end of the Constitution or at least the end of America? 
um, because socialism is voted in or Marxism is voted in or what some people worried about at one point in time was that national socialism would be voted in, right? That's the question. And I say it shouldn't be the question. To me, the Constitution was not neutral about political ideology. Right there in Article 4, it says that the Constitution guarantees to the states republican forms of government. I, I, I have no use for the idea that we have to allow the Constitution and the First Amendment to be our undoing at the hands of socialists and leftists who, who manipulate it for their purposes. I've never believed in that view of the Constitution. But the larger question of how do you govern a country that is so widely divided is the question of our time. And once upon a time, we didn't have that problem. Do you know why? Because once upon a time, we had a unified view of our curriculum and our country. I'm happy to say more about that when we come back, too, because I do believe that's where the disuniting of America began in our classrooms. People are welcome to weigh in. Cheryl, you're welcome to have another word at this as well. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Open line Friday, 602-508-0960. Portions of the show brought to you by Solar Sandy, the woman who brought integrity back to solar in Arizona. One of the main differences between Solar Sandy and other solar companies is that she actually figured out how to truly zero out your power bill. It's so important. When you go solar, you do it the right way. Solar Sandy is the right way. She has the formula. She wants to put more of your hard-earned money back in your pocket. <clears throat> when you go solar, Solar Sandy will pay 12 months of your solar payments, any portion of your power bill for the first 12 months, and the first 50 families to sign on with her will receive a $1,000 signing bonus. That's right. No solar panel payments, no power bills for 12 months, and a $1,000 bonus at signing. There's no better time to go solar with Solar Sandy than right now. Go to AskSolarSandy.com. That's AskSolarSandy.com. I wanted to put together, um, as I, w I was thinking over the break, I just kind of wanted to put together uh, some of the previous caller and Cheryl's comments. Cheryl was the most recent caller about where we are in our society with the divisions that we have and put it together too with the conversation I was handing, having with Andy Biggs, which is to say at which point do we connect? At which point – was I talking about this with Larry? I think I was. At which point do we connect the dots between policy and result? What the culture – teaches and what the citizens then do because they think it's culturally acceptable, only to find out it had cultural consequences that were negative. When are we going to make these when are we going to make these conclusions rather than continually getting used to more and more decadence and throwing up our hands? That that phrase, getting used to decadence, it reminds me of the it reminds me of the connection between culture 
and consequence from a speech of the same name Bill Bennett gave some years ago where he pointed out that we say that we desire from our children more civility and responsibility, but we refuse to teach them right and wrong. We say that we want law and order in the streets, but we allow criminals, including violent ones, to return to those same streets. We say that we want to stop illegitimacy, but we continue to subsidize the kind of behavior that virtually guarantees high rates of it. We say that we want to discourage teen sexual activity, but in classrooms all across America, educators are more eager to dispense the tools of sex rather than moral guidance. We say that we want more families to stay together, but we liberalize divorce laws and make divorce easier to attain. We say that we want to achieve a colorblind society and judge people by the content of their character, but we continue to count by race, skin, and pigment. We say that we want to encourage virtue and honor among the young, but it has become a mark of sophistication to shun the language of morality. Um, If you ask what is the good of education, Plato said, the answer is easy, that education makes good men and that good men act nobly. But we're not making that anymore. We're not doing that anymore. We're not making good men anymore. Instead, we're doing what C.S. Lewis said. We are making men without chests and expecting of them virtue and enterprise. We laugh at honor and are shocked to find traitors in our midst. We castrate and build the geldings be fruitful. We're going to have a long, probably, conversation that won't be long enough about this uh, horrible shooting that took place in Chicago, the video of which was just released, the shooting of a young, young, young child, a seventh grader. was captured on video, and there's a lot about and around it. But one of the things that will not let this conversation last as long as it needs to, is why was there a seventh grader on the mean streets of Chicago at 2.30 in the morning? That conversation won't be had here. Well, it will be had here, but it won't be had where it needs to be had. It won't be had where it matters most. And why did the seventh grader have a gun in his hand? And why did he belong to a gang? And did he have a school that was open for him to go to instead of a gang? The answer to which we know is that he did not. I think it was Martha McCallum earlier today on Fox, who was making the point that we don't yet know the full scale and we won't for many years to come know the full scale of what these shutdowns, lockdowns, and school closings have meant to and done to society. But you can rest assured, along with all the other social pathologies we've been concerned about, isolation, depression, suicide, 
substance and alcohol abuse and use, all of that, even perhaps more battery and domestic violence, all of that, all of that, add now to it not only lower educational attainment, but greater gang membership. Where do restless kids have to go during the day when they don't have a safe family situation and school was the safest place for them? They go to the next place that will offer them a dignity and identity and safety. And that's a criminal gang. These lies we tell us, as I've, as I've been saying in the monologues of the past few days, these lies we tell ourselves that these things don't matter, these things don't have consequences, they do. Life and death consequences. Life and death consequences. So if you want to live in the myth that you perpetually communicate and then exp- and then find find it surprising that communities accept those myths. All cops are dangerous or worse. That would be one. If you're surprised when communities accept those myths and then engage in behavior that creates more killing, you only have yourself to blame because you wrote these myths into the culture in the first place. I'm convinced, I'm convinced more people would not try to resist arrest if they weren't told for the first 20 years of their lives the cops were out to kill them. I'd resist arrest from someone I was told was out to kill me. But that narrative, that myth, that only came from one side of this culture and one side of this political divide. And it turns out to be deadly. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I was thinking about a caller we had earlier, might have been Eric, who was um, who was uh, wanting to raise the issue of uh, morality and belief in God and that you need to believe in God to be a moral person. It's a complex and big issue, and we didn't quite get to uh, quite get to it as much as possible, but you know, there's there's a pretty pretty easy test to all of this, and I think we got it well from our founders like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. Um, Thomas Jefferson said, it neither picks my pocket nor breaks my leg for a man to say he has 20 gods or no god. And I think that that's, that's the right sentiment when you think about what George Washington said in one of his most deeply important writings about civil and religious liberty in America. And it was a letter letter to the Jewish congregation of Rhode Island. And he was addressing it to the Jewish community in America. It could have been any religious community. It could have been Muslim. It could have been atheist because he provided the test, the test of how to treat religious minorities in America and how they should in turn treat America, religious minorities and non-religious minorities. 
Um, he said, the government of the United States, which gives to bigotry no sanction and to persecution no assistance, requires only that they who live under its protection should demean themselves as good citizens and giving it on all occasions their effectual support. In other words, be a good person, follow the law, and love your country, giving it on all occasions your effectual support. You love this country, you follow its laws, we're here to grant you as much religious freedom as goes up to that point, or a religious freedom, freedom not to have a religion. They thought morality did come from God, but they understood that this was a country that was based on the notion that you could believe in any God or none. Perhaps maybe only a country that's confident in the God that it does believe in can be the same kind of country and government that maintains the sentiment that it's not afraid for someone to say, they have 20 gods or no gods. I'm Seth Liebson, 602 508 We'll be right back.